want you to turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. So 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. And I want to speak to you on the subject of the prayer of Jabez. Who has heard of the prayer of Jabez? Put your hand up if you've heard of the prayer of Jabez. Some of you have. Um, there's a man, Bruce Wilkerson, in around the year 2000, wrote a book. It was quite well known at the time. Uh, I only read it recently. I'm, I'm not preaching what's in his book. I refer to one thing. But um, a, a lot of Christians never heard of this prayer. And it's a wee diamond right in the middle of a genealogy. Now, who's honest here tonight? Who skips over a lot of genealogies when they're doing their daily reading? Come on now. <laughs> Do you not? You skip, well, you scan it maybe. But sometimes if you take the trouble to read them, you come across a wee gem. And I was reading through scanning probably, but I noticed this and I, I meditated on it and God just opened it up to me and I want to share it with you today. This is the family of Judah or the lineage genealogy of the tribe of Judah, which our Lord Jesus is from, of course. But here right uh, into a few verses into the chapter verse 9 we read, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Now Jabez is a minor character in the Bible. Uh, he's only mentioned a few times in the book of Chronicles. But there's enough here to really encourage us and to recognize the significance of this man. It says that he was more honorable than all of his brothers. And that's a little bit surprising when you actually consider what Jabez's name means. And if you have a good marginal Bible or a study Bible, it might tell you that his name means, Jabez means, he will cause pain. Imagine calling your child that. <laughs> he will cause pain. And maybe some of you with hindsight think, oh, well, I could have done that, all right. But um, in Bible times, you see, some of you will know, the name that you give a child was very significant, that... It could have been sort of uh, prophetic of what you felt their character was going to be. It could have in some way indicated what the destiny was that you felt that child should have. So names were much more significant for, for Bible times and their culture and Hebrew culture than they would be for us today in the Western European world. Now, we don't know why this fella got called Jabez, he will cause pain, but it's likely that there's a backstory to this. And um, whether it was his conception, and you know, not all of our conceptions are ideal. We don't need to say much more than that. But you know what I'm talking about. And I'm not just speaking of abusive situations, but even in marriage, sometimes. The circumstances of conception are not always ideal. 
And even the gestation in the womb during those nine months, there can be a lot goes on, distressing and trauma, and even the toxicity of the home in, 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 in which our mothers are, and the fear maybe that they have about another birth or their first birth. We're not going into the details, but you understand where I'm going with this, that sometimes a conception can cause pain, but a birth, and I'm not speaking obviously, I wouldn't take it upon myself to assume what a woman goes through in birth. Amen. Um, but, but you know what you go through if you've been through it. And uh, birth, natural birth, is, is very difficult. But many births are exceedingly traumatic and leave a mark on a woman's psyche and, her, some, and very much so her body as well. And so whatever happened this mother... <laughs> Something caused her to call her child Jabez. But it wasn't just he, he has caused pain. It was he will cause pain. Which is staggering because there's a stigma to this. This young lad came into the world as a babe with a stigma. And I would say it was a kind of curse upon his life and upon his character and his destiny. And I think some of you might be able to identify with that. We don't use the term, um, the cards, the hand of cards that we've been dealt. We don't use that term, but you understand what it means. <laughs> and it often describes the sense of inheritance or misfortune that we receive. Very often we talk about it as bad luck, you know. But the fact of the matter is, it's not bad luck, but there are choices that are often made by our parents and even our grandparents and going back even further that affect our experience now. Now, some of you find that difficult to grasp. I'm not going to go into all the ramifications theologically and biblically, but it's just a fact. No man is an island, and the decisions you make affect your children and your grandchildren, whether you realize it or not. And it might be that you were stigmatized even from the moment of birth. You know, tragic to see the death of Lisa Marie Presley there in the press during the week. And one of the headlines, I can't remember, it was one of the broadsheet papers, I think, the Daily Telegraph or the Times or something like that, said she hadn't a chance. That's what the headline was. She hadn't a chance because of her father, because of the showbiz, all the addictions and all the rest. And, and maybe you feel like that, that... The things have been stacked against you. Things have been spoken over you, maybe by your parents or by another authority figure. Circumstances have been such... That, I mean, some people have a silver spoon in their mouth from their birth. Other people, it, it's not so easy. And it's an uphill trek. And for some people, it's just a downward spiral into the gutter. I don't know what it is. But the good news here for you tonight is simply this, that Jabez believed in the power of God. Do you believe in the power of God? And Jabez believed in the power of prayer. Because prayer is what moves the hand of God. That we used to say it moves the hand that moves the world. Prayer is what turns God toward us. Prayer is what actually can change God's mind. And that's complicated, but that's what the Bible actually teaches. That you can affect the heart and the mind of God through prayer. And Jabez believed that. And no matter what he was called, it was his very name. It was his very identity that he would cause pain. Jabez chose to believe the God of Israel. 
and to turn to the God of Israel. I want to encourage you at the very beginning of my message here tonight, before I say anything else, would you turn your heart toward God? I don't know whether you've come in skeptic, a skeptic or, or cynical about Christian things, or maybe just a bit agnostic, you just don't know, or you've been let down by religion or church or Christians. Join the club, we all could say that. But I want you to be encouraged to look towards him. Look towards the Father. Look towards the Son and the Holy Spirit. They're looking towards you and their hearts are for you, not against you. And whatever's on you tonight, a word or a stigma or a curse, God wants to bless you. God wants to transform you and turn your life around. And it's right throughout the whole Bible we have examples of it. There's a a man in, in the book of Judges called Jephthah. Have you ever heard of Jephthah? Who's heard of Jephthah? He's not, he's not so well known. You read of him in, in Judges 11 and 12. And he was the son of a prostitute. That's a great start for a young guy. Son of a prostitute, but he was allowed to live with his father. Uh, but eventually he was driven out of his father's house because his half-brothers didn't want him to inherit this son of a prostitute. They didn't want to share their inheritance with him. And so they kicked him out and he became an outlaw. He actually... Uh, was the head of a gang who went around ambushing people. There were bandits. And he became known as a mighty warrior. And whenever the nation was threatened by the Ammonites, guess who they turned to? Jephthah. And it's amazing because when you go to the book of Hebrews, uh, let me read this to you, Hebrews chapter 11, in the great hall of faith and fame. We read this in verse 32 of Hebrews 11. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, another judge, Barak and Samson judge and Jephthah also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Jephthah is in there with Samuel, Samson, Barak, David, Gideon. Jephthah, the son of a prostitute. (laughs) Here's a word I want you to receive tonight. Your default is not your destiny. Your default is not your destiny. Do you know what a default is? Some of you are looking at me blankly, particularly the older generation. Do you know what a default is? Let me give you a dictionary definition. A default is a pre-selected option on a Adopted by a computer program or other mechanism when no alternative is specified by the user or the programmer. Your default. So when you get your phone brand new, it's at a default mode until you start personalizing it and choosing what to do with it. It's default. And if you do factory settings to wipe it, it'll go back to default. But your default, what you were born with. What you inherited, what the stigma was, what your lot was, what people named you or spoke over you. I want you to understand your default is not your destiny. You're not stuck there. Not as far as God's concerned. So I want to share with you from the prayer of Jabez four things. So that you can turn your destiny around. You can get the stigma off your back. And break through into the blessing that God wants for you. Does anybody want that? Yes, yes amen. First of all, the first point I want you to, sh- to, to understand is, it is okay, rather it is good to want God to bless you. Did you get that? It's okay, but rather it's good. And it's actually desirable that you should want God to bless you. 
Turn with me, keep your finger in that portion in First uh, Chronicles 4, but turn with me to Psalm 67. This is a wonderful Psalm 67 where God asks or inspires the psalmist to pray for blessing. Psalm 67, verse 1. God be merciful unto us and bless us. And cause his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on the earth. And your salvation among all the nations. Let the peoples praise you O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Or let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously. And govern the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield or increase. God our own God shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Now, let me summarize that psalm for you. What that's saying is, Lord, if you bless us, everybody around the nations will see that you're blessing us, and they will come to know you, because they'll see how blessed we are. And that effectively was the chosen purpose, predestined, of why God called Abraham and made a nation out of him, the Jews, the the Israelites. Their called purpose and Genesis was in order that the whole nations of the world would come to know God. They weren't to be a chosen people just to exclusively keep God to themselves. That was never the intention of God choosing Israel. It was so that all the nations of the world would see what a blessed people they were and that their God was the true God and that they would all come to the hill of Zion. Unfortunately, they failed in that task. But that's why God wants to bless us as his people today, Jews and Gentiles who are in Christ. He wants everybody around us to see we are blessed. And therefore, would it not be counter to the the will of God for us not to ask God to bless us? Now, there you have scripture for it. God be merciful to us and bless us. And this is what Jabez prayed at the very beginning of his prayer. Oh, verse 10 of of 1 Chronicles 4. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Don't just bless me. Bless me indeed. I call this sanctified selfishness which sounds a bit of a contradiction in terms, but it challenges us with a misconception that we often have that seems very pious and holy, that we should never, oh, we don't want to be a part of a bless me club, and I don't want to be self-centered, and it's not all about bless me, bless me, bless me. Well, listen, if you understand why God blesses us, then it's okay. If you understand it's not for you to squander all the blessings on yourself, But being blessed speaks to others. And when you're blessed, you can bless others. You understand that, then you become sanctified and selfish in that sense, where you say, bless me, Lord, that I might be a blessing to others. But one of the problems that prevents us praying this prayer of blessing upon ourselves, oh, bless me indeed, is low self-esteem. You know what that is? But I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be blessed. Well, none of us deserves to be blessed. None of us. But unless you can get past that that attitude, that concept, that stronghold that actually is of the mind, the lie, that, oh, no, that's not for me. There's other people will know that blessing and blah, 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 and I'm content for them to know it, but I'll never... That's an orphan spirit. That's what that is. It's an orphan spirit that doesn't realize what you have in Christ, who your daddy is, and what your inheritance is in the Father. 
And you need to get past that because it's a total and utter lie. And you need to get into the place where you know it's the Father's love that wants to bless you. I, I was also reading, not long before I encountered, remember it was after this, it was after I encountered the prayer of Jabez again, from First Chronicles chapter 12, and verse 18. In the NIV it's rendered like this, now it's David's mighty men. If you know David's mighty men, they come alongside him and fought with him. And uh, the chief of them was a man called Amasai. And the chief of the 30 said to this to David, First Chronicles 12, 18, let me read it to you. We are yours, David. We are with you, son of Jesse. Success, success to you and success to those who help you for your God will help you. <laughs> Imagine praying that. Success, a threefold blessing of success. Success, success to you and success to those who help you. That's great, isn't it? I used to hear people say, God doesn't call us to be successful. He just calls us to be faithful. Well, I understand what you mean. He does call us to be faithful. But I'm going to tell you this. See, if you are faithful, you will be successful. Now, you'll be successful in kingdom terms. That's where our perspective maybe needs to be different. I'm not saying that means you're going to have billions of pounds and a big mansion on the hilltop and Ferraris. That's not necessarily God's idea of success. Now, he does bless some people with that, if they're blessing others with it. That's always the intention, that he blesses. I do believe in a measure of prosperity, but it's always to bless the kingdom of God. But I'm not talking in terms of material goods. I'm talking in terms of kingdom blessing. Kingdom success, success, success. And I believe God intends his gospel to be successful. Boy, you're a hard audience tonight, I'm telling you. Amen. Success, success, success. I'll take that. Threefold success. So the first thing that we learn from, from the prayer of Jabez is, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. It's okay. Rather, it is desirable that that you would want God to bless you. question is, do you? Do you want God to bless you? Yes. Now, I'm not talking about so as you can sit like the hog in the high hill and just enjoy it all. I'm talking about so that you can pour it out to other people and bless them with it. Do you believe that God wants to do that? Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, here's the second thing. He wants to enlarge your influence. And this is seen in the second part of verse uh, 10. Oh, that you bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory. Now, shout out what your version says. Some versions don't say territory. Some versions, what do they say? They say, border. border. Enlarge your border. Some unionists might have a problem with that one. What else is there? What if God wants to enlarge your border? We'll not get onto that one. Anything else? What else? Coastlands? Is that another one? Coastlands? Hello? Anybody got Coastlands? Border, what else? Territory, is there any other translation of that? Well, you get the idea, don't you? It's, it's about land, it's about inheritance, it's about influence. But it's not, I don't think it's really talking about geographical terms. I think it's talking on kingdom terms. Now, at the very first command, or one of the first commands, if it's not the first one, I think it is the first one to Adam and Eve, was what? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The idea was they were to take over. Life was to take over the whole earth. And so we're not merely talking in terms of wealth or prosperity, but impacting the kingdom of God. 
And Jabez was praying that his spiritual territory would increase. I think he's, he's actually claiming generations to come for God, for the Lord God of Israel. Do you want to enlarge your influence for the kingdom, for God? Do you? Over your family, over your friends, over your, your work colleagues, your neighborhood, over this nation? Well, it might be that you need to claim that territory and pray a prayer like Jabez. Enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. I've been praying this prayer every day now for a, a week. Not very long, but every day for a week. And the next day after I started praying it, I got an invitation to a country I've never, two countries I've never been to before. And there were incredible things that I know was of God. You get invitations now and again, you think that's just... But this was definitely, I believe, of God. God wants to extend your influence, not for your ego, but for his kingdom. The harvest, we were singing, do you believe it? The harvest, this is, these are the days of the harvest. The fields are white in your world. And so, we need to claim our inheritance, but here's probably what's the case with some of you. You need to reclaim what the enemy's taken off you, and what you've allowed him to take off you. He's already encroached upon your own land, your own destiny and inheritance. What has Satan taken from you, the thief that he is? I love Proverbs 6, verse 11. You know what it says? It says that if you catch a thief, he has to pay back sevenfold what he took from you. And I pray to God tonight that the thief would be caught in your life. And whatever he's robbed off you, whatever he has taken of your destiny, that tonight in Jesus' name, you would reclaim it back and he'd have to pay you back sevenfold what he's stolen from you. God wants to enlarge your territory. I mentioned that book of Bruce Wilkerson, uh, The Jabez Prayer, in the year 2000. And he has a little section in it called Living Large for God, under the heading, Living by God's Mouths. This is what he says. Our reluctance comes from getting our numbers right, but our arithmetic wrong. I think that's brilliant. We get our numbers right, but our arithmetic wrong. In other words, we see the facts in front of us, but we do the wrong maths, and we get the wrong answer. And, and he actually expands it by saying this. If it's like this, my abilities plus my experience plus my training plus my personality and appearance plus my past plus the expectations of others, that will equal my assigned territory. Do you understand? All those things that are the facts or the numbers that we've been given, if we add all those up, we'll get our assigned territory or our destiny. What, what's just our lot? But this is what he goes on to say. Rather, it should be this. My willingness and weakness... Plus God's will and supernatural power equals my expanding territory. You get it? When we give God what we've got, our surrender, our willingness, and he matches our weakness with his supernatural power, we can then enter into a new sphere where there are no bounds or coastlands, where he's just constantly expanding the influence of the kingdom through our life. Is that what you want? You know, the more I meditate on the prayer of Jabez, the more I thought, this is just like the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and that you would enlarge my territory. Surely that's what this is. 
Okay, you're learning. So first of all, it's okay, rather, it's desirable that you want God to bless you. Secondly, he wants to enlarge your influence in your territory. And thirdly, he wants to transform you and your circumstances. What's the next bit say? That your hand would be with me. That your hand would be with me. Who wants the hand of God in their life? Some of you here tonight need the touch of God upon your minds. You're tormented. You're tortured. Some of you need the touch of God on your emotions. Your heart's broke. Some of you need a touch of God upon your body. You need healing. Some of you need a touch of God upon your soul and your spirit. You need born again. Or you need filled with the Holy Spirit. Or you need delivered from some demonic bondage. And you need a touch from God. Perhaps tonight, like an old battered violin, you need the touch of the master's hand to take you and to play masterpieces from you. Now, it might be that there'll be a few scars still on that instrument. But he can touch you in a way to restore you, to bring a sweeter tune out of you than if you were never broken and bruised and battered. But the thing is, you've got to allow him to touch you. You've got to resign and surrender yourself over to him and his ways. What do you need him to change tonight? He wants to transform you and your circumstances. What is it you need him to change? What is it you need him to touch tonight? And I think again of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. What is it that you need as your daily bread right now? What is you need God to break through on? So it's okay and it's good to want God to bless you and he wants to enlarge your territory and he wants to transform you and your circumstances. But finally, he wants to deliver you from evil. (laughs) And that's there in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Deliver us from, it actually says, the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. And here at the end of this prayer, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that you would uh, be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I would not cause pain. That you would keep me from evil. Now the evil that Jabez wanted to be kept from was causing pain. And what was that? That's what his name meant. That was what the destiny was that others felt was his inheritance. So he's asking effectively to be delivered from a curse. And some of you might need that tonight. But he was asking to be delivered from everything of evil. Deliver me from evil. Deliver me from the evil one. Do you know there is a Satan. And Satan does have a hierarchy of influence through demonic powers. And those powers have an assignment to destroy our lives. And whether you're a Christian or not, but especially if you're a Christian, you are behind the hairs of Satan. His crosshairs. He wants to take you out. And all the scriptures in the New Testament warning about the devil were all originally delivered to Christians. Because you're public enemy number one if you're a child of God. You're a threat. That's why the church is where it is at the moment in lethargy and apathy and lukewarmness and backsliddenness. Because the enemy wants it to be there. Because we are a threat to him. If we really understood who we are, what our inheritance is in Christ and the blessings that God wants to give us. So maybe you're here tonight and you're bound by some darkness mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. 
But I want to encourage you tonight that the power of the gospel of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb that we were singing about earlier, what a wonderful song about that fountain filled with blood. The blessing is that the blood of Jesus sets us free. The cross, the death and resurrection of Jesus overcomes the the devil in its darkness. Whatever that darkness might be. And in Luke chapter 10 verse 19, Jesus said to his disciples, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Over all the power of the enemy. And what does all mean? All. All. There's nothing that God cannot give you power over regarding the enemy's attacks in your life if you believe him to do it. But you know one of the greatest things that we need to be delivered from evil regarding is when God does bless us. You ever heard the saying it's, it's harder to hold a full cup than an empty cup? You ever tried walking with a, a cup that's nearly overflowing? It's hard to not let it spill. When God does bless you, when your cup's overflowing, you need to then be humble and dependent completely on God and remember where it came from and why it was given to you and who it was for to bless him back and to bless the kingdom of God. And so even when we are blessed abundantly, we need to pray that prayer, deliver us from the evil one. I feel there could be those here tonight and you're in bondage to darkness of some kind or other. Well, the good news is the blessing of the gospel of Christ is that you should be free indeed. Whom the sun sets free shall be free indeed. Freedom is part of the gospel. The wonderful thing about this prayer of Jabez is that the, the, the verse 10 ends like this. So God granted him what he requested. God granted him what he requested. And I believe God will grant you what you request. Some of you will go away from here and I hope that you'll start praying this prayer every day and see what God does. See what God does. But some of you actually, tonight you will have some measure of breakthrough upon these principles. That you'll break through from low self-esteem and understand who you are in Christ. If you're a Christian and what you have and what you deserve in Jesus. Not for your own goodness, but what his goodness deserves. What his sacrifice deserves. God wants to lavish upon him and therefore you're in Christ. And Christ is in God and you're going to get it. You're in the will. You're in the will with Jesus. And he wants to expand your territory, your influence. He wants to transform you in your circumstances and he wants to deliver you from evil. Do you want that? Because I think it's God's will. And if you align yourself in faith by God's will, you'll be like Jabez. And you will have what you've requested. Let's pray. If you're able to pray this, pray it with me as I repeat it after me. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now, come on. The Lord's not deaf and he hears you when you whisper, but you've got to sound like you mean it. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. And enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me. And that you would keep me from evil. That I may not cause pain. Amen. And it says God granted his request.
And may God grant your request tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.